Hey, caffeinators. Welcome to the Vet Tech Cafe. The Vet Tech Cafe is a podcast centered around veterinary technicians and nurses, hosted by myself, Dave Cowan, and my good friend, Jeff Backus. We strive to discuss current issues facing our profession and give our colleagues a voice and a medium to enter into these discussions. Our guests are experts in the veterinary field that we hope can help our listeners work towards dealing with these issues, as well as coming up with solutions that can lead to change. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the Vet Tech Cafe, please contact us at vettechcafe at gmail.com, or you can find us at our website, vettechcafe.com. One thing we would ask of you, our listeners, is to rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. We're not exactly sure how or why this helps us, but apparently it does. So without further ado, come on in, grab yourself a cup of coffee, and get ready for another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe. Hello, caffeinators. Welcome back to another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe, where you can now sit with your cat on our newly renovated catio. Um, we'd like to thank all of you caffeinators for your continued support. Um for our Patreons, for continuing to Patreonize us and continuing to download our episodes and subscribing to all of our channels. Um, we're, we're closing in, I think we're maybe a month away or so from about 150,000 downloads, which is um, pretty, pretty remarkable for us. This episode might like. be the one that so pushes this, us this, over the edge. This, this might just be the one. So um, thank you guys so much for your support. These last, uh, I guess, three and a half years um, really means the world to us. Um, if this is your first time here, if you're new to the Vet Tech Cafe, head over to vettechcafe.com for all the info about Dave and I and why we do this, um, where you can find us. Um, we're usually at least at one or two conferences a year. So if you find us out in the wild, say hello, uh, make sure you take a picture with Dave. Um, we'll probably have some <laughs> swag for you or things like that, but definitely um, reach out if you have any ideas for episodes, guests you think we should talk about uh, or talk to. Um, we're always um, really, really excited to, to kind of venture into new things. So um, Dave, what's going on out there? What's new with you? Uh, nothing has changed in the in the last couple hours that we last spoke <laughs> since, since we recorded our last episode. <laughs> uh, but no, <clears throat> still still dealing with um, lingering effects of of, of the COVID. So yeah, um, otherwise doing good. Not not much has changed in the last couple hours. I uh, I had some water. Uh, I ate a couple <laughs> snacks. I watched a little TV. Um, yeah, yeah. That's about it. How about you? What you what you been doing? Uh, just hanging out with, uh, with Daphne and, um, doing those normal Who will things. now be yeah. one by the time this uploads? Yeah, who will now be a year old by the time this <laughs> uploads, which is just wild. And, and, uh, probably by the time this uploads, we'll be moved into our new home. So that's um, true. That's of, true. Lots of big things going on. Um, so yeah, lots of fun. Um, we have another guest coming back by the Vet Tech Cafe today. Another, uh, repeat guest, which we're, we're super stoked about um she gets to visit our newly renovated um space here we had to add on yeah. some extra space to, for the complaint department for the veterinary viewfinder podcast and <laughs> um like i said build on the catio and the the horse tack outside but yeah it's it's so it's a little bit of difference <laughs> since uh, july 12th 2020 when uh, when emily last came by so um, we have emily i own kenny coming back to the vet tech cafe um just kind of a recap of her bio. She's been in veterinary medicine for over 20 years. Um, she passed the VTNE and became a veterinary technician in 99. And then in 2006, passed the VTS emergency and critical care exam. So during that time, kind of all through there, she's been in 
all facets of veterinary practice. Um, she's taught at both associates and bachelor's programs. Um, she's lectured on all sorts of subjects from renal replacement therapy, hyperbaric oxygen therapy, and a lot of mental health stuff as well, which we're going to talk about today, compassion fatigue, all sorts of things. Um, she's been published on renal replacement therapy. Uh, her special interests include toxicology, feline emergency care, um, and then what we're going to talk about today, lateral and vertical violence in the veterinary setting, compassion, fatigue, and trauma. Um, in her spare time, she tries desperately to make friends with a family of stray cats, um, <laughs> both indoors and out. So, Emily, thank you very much for uh, coming back to the Vet Tech Cafe. Um, we, we'll build a little extra large catio for, for your outdoor stray cats and they can hang out too. Uh, what can we get you for a cup of coffee? <laughs> um, I am I'm pretty basic. Uh, vanilla latte. There you go. Huge. Eat Easy the bucket enough. size. Easy. I like it. I like it a lot. Got, that for sure sounds like a Monday coffee order. <laughs> yep. Um, so if you don't mind, I know we, we did this probably previously in in 2020, but I'm sure a couple things have changed at least take us a little bit through your career path. Um, and then what you're doing now. Um, and two, I think I, I, I would love it if you took an opportunity to brag on the Utah Vet Tech Association, because I know this was a big weekend for them too. So um, I'd love for you to brag on them a little bit too. I would love to. Um, My role has gotten a lot bigger at my current job. I had just started there like six months before I spoke with you guys last. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was uh, hired to do their training and it's turned more into a director position, a training supervisor position. I actually have mentors now that do the on the floor stuff because there's too many of them for me to do it all by myself anymore. Yeah. So that's been, that's been kind of a, a huge change is organizing labs and lectures and in houses and at other facilities with my criticalist and that sort of thing. So that's it's really turned into something different than what I had anticipated it being, but I still love it. I still would, I still rather teach than do anymore. It's, mm-hmm. You know, I think you get to 25 years in the field and you're like, I've done all that stuff. It's, somebody <laughs> else just can talking do it now. About that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Like it's, there's very rarely a thing that I'm like, Ooh, let me do that. That's exciting. I'm like, Oh man, I got all the stuff to do. Can mm-hmm. I just show you how mm-hmm. and you can let me finish my stuff? So uh, that's, that's really the big difference there is I've taken on more of a, a director role there um, and we're building a second humongous facility so oh wow that's great will be yeah i don't know the square footage but it's going to be about an hour plus south of where we are now and uh, i think we're hoping late next year it will be open um, okay barring you know weird construction foibles sure um but yeah so that's super exciting we opened a diagnostic uh, imaging building and uh, a whole separate building for our exotics department Awesome. Oh, that's awesome. great. That's great. Yeah, awesome. it, we got we got big real fast. Yeah. Um, as far as the USVTA goes, we had our second ever mini con uh, this weekend, and we had our first one in 2019. And Liz Houston, who's <laughs> been on this, came out generously and gave her time for us. And then we planned one for 2020. We all know how that went. Right. So this was our first one back and we had, uh, we booked out, we had 50 attendees and that was all we had slated for because we didn't know how it was going to go. We had uh, two, three VTS speakers 
Um, this one of them, this was her first time speaking as a DTS. So that was pretty oh, great. great. I used to work with her. Awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. Awesome. Um, it was, it went really well. It was an all day thing and it just, I was blown away by how smoothly it went. We were pretty stressed that we were going to fall all over ourselves, but we didn't. And we hope to do one uh, in Southern Utah at the end of the year. And then um, twice a year going forward, one in Northern Utah and one in Southern Utah. Awesome. That's great. Awesome. How, how, can I, yeah. Do you know, do you know how many uh, Utah vet techs there are? Credentialed? Yeah. I can give you a number, 230. Okay. So you got 50 of those. That's great. That's great. Right. And not all of them were credentialed. A lot of them were looking into our oh, sure. alternative path mm-hmm. um, because we just got credentialing in the last two years. So right. it's really very new for people. And a lot of people are struggling to figure out how to get it done. Yeah. Um, you know, what they have to learn and, and large animal is really tripping up a lot of people um, <laughs> for the VT. Same. Yeah. Most of them have worked, right? Me too. Um, <laughs> I'm not even going to lie about that. It's a cow. And I, and I have large animals it. here on the farm, so <laughs> I don't have an excuse. <laughs> I don't think my 14 pound cat counts. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're really, we talked about that at the conference too. Like if you want to become credentialed, let's, meet one of us afterwards and we'll let you know what you got to do. Here's our emails. We'll help happily walk you through that whole process. Um, and then just some tips and tricks, like don't take it at home, go to the testing center. There's a lot of issues with the, the uh, program. If you don't have cable internet, if you only have Wi-Fi, mm. So, oh. yeah. So that was a lot of what our conference was, was yeah. me randomly talking to people about how to become credentialed in the state of Utah. That's still though. I mean, that's like hopefully laying the groundwork for, you know, five years, 10 years down the road for a lot more credential lot technicians more people, in the yeah. state. Like that's, that's where it's got to start. Unfortunately, that's, that's awesome. Yep. That you're doing that work. And I think we were one of the last states to get credentialing quite frankly. So Getting Utah on board, uh, getting Utah legislature on board with that was really a lot of work. There had to be a lot of convincing, but they finally were like, yeah, okay, we should, we should probably do that if, if most other places are. So <laughs> thank God for that. I, I thought Arizona was the last, or, or were they the last to, they have. They've had credentialing. They just started their association. They just had an association. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, where I'm tripping yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah. So we Emily, had an association before credentialing. So, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you you got to start yeah. somewhere, right? You is that a chicken, chicken and egg question? Like right. what became yeah. <laughs> first? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Emily, the, um, something we always ask our t- our guests, and I believe we asked you this three years ago: um, Where do you see the veterinary technician profession right now? What do we What do we need to work on? What's going well right now? Uh, obviously, things that are going on in Utah. I'd lo- I'd love to hear more about that stuff too. I think overall, um, I do think that the profession is struggling and I think it's an attrition problem. We just have so many people that are feeling overworked and underutilized at the same time, as well as underappreciated and underpaid that we're hemorrhaging, still hemorrhaging technicians. And I sadly don't think I see that stopping anytime soon. I think until there's a, a, a huge shift in how our profession is seen not only by other technicians, but our, our DVM colleagues and uh, some of our corporate um, ownership that, and the public, obviously, that people are just going to keep leaving to do right. something else entirely. 
And they're going to do it after a few years. They're not going to stick around until they've been 20 years in and then be like, I'm old and broken and I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> they're going to be right. like, I've been doing this for three years. It's not worth my mental health or my physical health as you know, we've all been in that position. They're just going to be like, peace. I'm out. I'm yeah. going to go do something entirely different. And I can think of three or four people I know personally that would prefer to be mm. a tech that, are working in a different field. One of my good friends makes more money working at a lab. She would love to be a tech full time, but it's not fiscally responsible of her yeah. to do so. So she works in a um, R and D lab for cancer research. Oh wow! Yeah. Um. And and just just to kind of tag on to what you said there, um, I, I've I've thought about this a lot in in thinking about tech utilization and. Uh, that's one of the things that is making people leave the field, but also combine that with the fact that we're overworked. How do those two things exist simultaneously? <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. I'm like, here all the time, but I don't get to do anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. right. How, is that, how is that possible? Yeah. And I do think in some places it's um, a lack of uh, veterinarians understanding exactly what a technician can and should be capable of. Um, as well as, uh, you know, this isn't meant to sound like, this isn't going to sound like I mean it to sound, but if you can hire somebody off the street to hold dogs and cats, and then you do everything yourself, why would you need somebody who can do those things, right? right. And we see that a lot here in Utah in particular, where people come come to us as technicians, and we find out that they their DVM hasn't taught them to do anything. And they're very upset by that. And those people, of course, are like, well, I'm not going to stick through this. This is ridiculous. I've spent five years at my last place and thought I was doing a technician's job. And then I come somewhere else and I'm not. Yeah. I don't know if I would stick around if I was if that had been something <laughs> I'd encountered. That, that, that leads actually into my, my next question. So um, we we asked a couple people this and I forgot to, I forgot to put it in our, our script. Yeah, we forgot the last so one. It, it, so I think a couple of guests haven't been asked this recently, but knowing what you know now, where you're at in veterinary medicine, would you still be doing this if you weren't doing this? Like, would you still want to be doing this? Like, can you at this point in your career be like, I, I could walk away tomorrow or like if you were chosen, a, you know, or presented a different path, would you still stay and do this? Ooh, that's tough. Um, two answers. <laughs> if I had known what clinical practice was going to be like, I probably would have uh, really pushed harder to get into virology research because that's really what I oh. wanted to do was okay. like bio level three, four research um, and somehow ended up in emergency medicine. I really don't understand how that <laughs> path happened. Um, being that I wanted to work in one of those suits you plug into that yeah. fills with air. <laughs> you have no idea how I ended up doing CPR daily. Um, I think if I had known the physical toll that this job would have taken on me, I probably would have left before I got to the point where I, I you know, I'm all broken in all sorts yeah. of places. At this point, I think I'd stay. Um, because I'm not, I'm not in a position to make an impact really on a pet anymore per se, hmm. but I can make an impact on the people that are making the impact on the pet. Yeah. Right. And that this sounds super arrogant. I get to leave my mark that way. And, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not one of those people that they just know my name when they hear it, which is fine. I don't, I don't want that quite frankly. 
Um, and you know, I'm not a room packer at, at conferences and that's okay too. But I know that there are technicians that I've had an impact on that are going to have an impact going forward. And that's where I've made my mark. And that's, that's good for me. I'm okay with that. Absolutely. I don't think that's arrogant at all. I, yeah, I think no. that's, you're, you're making a, a more of a global impact than you are an impact on one patient's life. You're impacting many, many pets lives yeah. moving forward by teaching and, and some of the talks that you give are, are literally keeping techs in the profession, I think. Yeah. Um, just with, with the things that I've heard you speak about. Uh, so not arrogant at all. <laughs> Own it. That's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, so this is our, our May mental health series. Um, and we had you on previously to talk about bullying and that's what we're kind of spending our focus on for this month. Um, last time you were here, you introduced, I don't know, Dave, if I'm speaking for you when I say us, but certainly me to a couple new terms. Oh yeah. Viral violence, yeah. vertical violence, some, some different things, I guess maybe different monikers for the same word, but can you kind of just recap that a little bit, like what some of those terms are, define them a little bit, and then we'll jump off from there. Sure. So lateral violence is bullying or uh, negatively charged behavior between two people on the same structure of a hierarchy. So in a veterinary hospital, technician to technician is a, a good way to put that. Um, vertical violence is between people in two different structures of a hierarchy. So DVM to CSR, let's say, would be an example of vertical violence. You could even go the other way, CSR to DVM. Um, I think the other two that most people hadn't heard, because I hadn't heard of, were covert and overt bullying. Um, covert bullying is kind of sneaky, right? Sneaky bullying. And then overt bullying, we all are pretty familiar with, given someone a <laughs> yeah. wedgie or whatever, something right, along right. those lines. <laughs> something that everybody can easily identify, whereas covert bullying is really a lot harder to identify. And that's kind of, you know, talking out of the side of your mouth at somebody rolling your eyes behind their back, um, making you know, underhanded comments at their expense that maybe sound like teasing, maybe don't sound like teasing, tone mm. of voice changes, things along those lines. And I think that for the most part, um, in my experience and in talking to, to people since uh, the last time we spoke and um, since I've lectured on it um, a couple of times now, I think that covert bullying is really the, the, the big problem um, really? in vet clinics because you're not going to get away with you know, yanking someone's hair at work. You're just right. not gonna. Yeah. Right. Um, but you can make a snide comment and get away with it relatively easily. And I don't mm. think people understand the effects that that actually has on not only the person who's having the comment made about them, but kind of the observers of said situation um, because they either think I'm going to be the target next or, hey, I can get away with that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I don't, you, we don't really think about that of, of the bullying is, is, is like the obvious things that we see of, of just talking down to people and, and just being a jerk to people is, is easy to see and easy to, to ridicule. Um, but it's that covert stuff of stuff that falls under the radar that, and I, I you just mentioned there something that I hadn't even thought of, of, of the fact that if they get away with it, that means that maybe I can get away with it. And then that just perpetuates mm -hmm. the whole dynamic yeah. of, 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 being a jerk in the workplace. Um, I, I wonder if we should just change the the topic of this series to uh, Emily. One of your your phrases that you usually say at some of your 
your lectures, um, don't be an a-hole. Um, <laughs> I mean, right. it really just, it really it boils, boils down, down to that. To. That's what it, yeah. it really does. does. And, 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 and it also, I think kind of along these lines, just because the target doesn't see you being an a-hole doesn't mean you're not being an a-hole. Right. Like somebody probably saw it. You probably said it to somebody else. Like you, you, you were like, you, yeah, you maybe didn't say, Jill, you're terrible. Uh, but like you said, Jill, you're terrible to Jonathan over here. And right. like, it still happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's, um, yeah, wow. One thing that I've had people talk to me about is, uh, I call it bandwagoning. Um, one person starts, and then another person starts, and then another yeah. person gets on. And yeah. suddenly you have this click, of, like, you know, like the movie Mean Girls. And mm-hmm. all of those people are being kind of this traveling mass of jerks yeah. together. Yeah, over bowling, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's even more detrimental than just having one bully. Because now you yeah. have this kind of amoeba-like monster of bullies that are coming at you. And nobody wants to be the target of that. No, no, for sure not. Um, do you know, are there any, like... I don't know if even studies or statistics are the right word, but do we have any like data to say like how frequent or how common this is, be it in veterinary medicine or, or like, you know, professional work kind of scenarios at all. Or like, I feel like just thinking back to, to veterinary clinics and Dave and I were talking about this with our previous guests, like pretty easily we thought, we thought back to earlier in our careers where, where we were those people, we, we didn't, recognize it in ourselves. Uh, and so I feel like it's probably really common. I'm just wondering if we actually have any data to support that. So I know the American Nurses Association does. Um, and I, of course, I can't think of the numbers right off the top of my head. But from from what I can kind of recall, about 50% of student nurses surveyed said that they had been bullied while they were students. And uh, an equal amount of new nurses um, just, you know, entering the field that graduated past the boards had said that their charge nurse had bullied them. And I think the lowest number I saw in there was like 30% of nurses surveyed said that at some point in their career, regardless of position or hospital or clinic, or whatever, they had been bullied by someone else in their immediate work environment, be it their supervisor or another nurse on the floor or their trainer or whomever. So I think we can probably correlate that relatively easily over to vet med um, because the workload is similar and the personalities are similar. So there's, and and there's that sense of ego tied to what we do that I have to be better than the person that's coming along. And I think that's, I think that's the big thing there is there's such a, a loss of status that people are so afraid of the loss of status that that's where that bullying comes from. Oh, you're never going to be able to learn to do that. Or you don't have the experience to do that. So I'm going to show you how superior I am by treating you poorly because you don't know all of the things I know. Cause I've been here for eight years or whatever. Hmm. I, I wonder how skewed those numbers are um, based on the fact that some of the bullying is that covert bullying where it's not really, out in the open and um, yeah. just like the, the snide comments and the, what do we call gate gatekeeping of, of knowledge? Like those things that I think 
I mean, there's, and we'll talk to you, we're going to talk to you about this today of, of some of the things that we don't even realize are actually bullying that mm-hmm. happen every day that you see every day, not necessarily to us or to, to coworkers, but, but just out in the world, we'll see some of those things that we don't even recognize as bullying. But then when you take a deeper look at it and say, oh, the impact of that is, is probably more in lines with bullying than just fooling around or, or playing pranks on people. And I think, I think that's a, a big thing is people not realizing that even if they just think they're teasing, you don't know what that other person is going through or right. how they're going to respond to that. So you know, erring on the side of caution and just being kind or, or not, if you're going to tease somebody, make sure that you know it's something that you can tease them about. that's not going yeah. to hurt them. Um, and that that's when you start to get into the fine line of, was this actually bullying or was I genuinely trying to make a joke and it's gone all pear shape. Um, and I, that's a real fine line to walk. I've come across that myself where I've tried to make like a joke at somebody thinking that they were going to get that I was making a joke and they were like, I was like, Oh no. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean (laughs) rats. Right. Right. Yeah. And having to kind of backpedal. The difference is, is that I've recognized it and been able to go, Oh, Oh, that was terrible. And I apologize. And someone who's bullying, uh, particularly if they're aware of the fact that they're behaving that way, doesn't care. Mm. They're just like, mm, hurt your feelings. If I go on to my next step. Right, right. T- tough yeah, enough buttercup. Yeah. Yeah, I, I exactly. can imagine that's probably, you know, especially with the overt kind, uh, you know, where where is that line in the sand because for one person it may be way over here and and for another person depending on what they have going on in their life they might be hanging on by a thread and that line is really 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 tight to walk so um but again like you were just saying having the the wherewithal to you know recognize the impact of that or you know and then remedy the situation but i i can imagine with the overt kind, like that's, that's how that can be skewed. I, I feel like with the covert kind, you know what you're doing and that's why you're doing it covertly. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Okay. I agree a hundred percent. I don't think that people engage in those kind of behaviors to have the best. I don't think that they will be sneaky about their meanness so that they get caught. You right. Know, they don't want to get caught. They don't, right. they want other people to kind of like, Oh, is that, did they say something nasty? Wait a minute. And not know. Like, right. I don't know if they said anything. The example I use when I lecture of a covert bully is um, the uh, Lucius Malfoy from Harry Potter. Because he never really, he at least towards humans, and Dobby is kind of an exception, but he's he's very much a bully. But he's very good about not being outright about it. He doesn't you know he goes after Hagrid in a very kind of haughty sort of voice tone way um if the exact example is uh he's in Hagrid's house and he says in a very haughty fashion you call this a house that's not directly saying you live in a hovel Mm. but it's definitely implying you live Uh in a hovel and um I use that because most people are familiar with Harry Potter and nobody likes I, I Lucius Malfoy. Me, me, me neither. I was, but, really? I was, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, then. But, but no, but your, your point is still taken that, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's essentially 
like it's a it's a backhanded comment with a surreptitious meaning. Like it, it it's it's still accomplishing the same thing. Right. Like yeah. Well, it's, and also it's you, trying to make you, yourself look better at the expense yeah, of somebody else. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and just thinking of the different scenarios, like you could say that to uh, you, you, you call this a house and, and say that to a friend of yours is very different than saying that to a stranger. Right. Right. Same words, same inflection, same intonation, but completely right. different impacts on the person that's being said to. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's, I think that's, that's where the rub lies is the impact on the person. And if there's even any question in your mind that what you're going to say could potentially cause someone undue distress, that's bullying. And right. it, you know, particularly if it's something that, that happens regularly. And one of the things I've talked to managers about is if you have someone coming to you about the same person over and over and over again, and it's multiple parties that are coming to you, what's the common denominator? Yeah, exactly. It's, right. It's not your staff. It's that right. particular employee. It's not one person being overly sensitive or not being able to take a joke or what have you. It's it's that it's that person and and again, maybe they don't have that self-awareness to know that that behavior is is actually viewed that way, you know, amongst everybody or maybe they do and that's just they they're they've gotten that's away with it for doing. so long. Yeah. So why why change it? But, um, you know, when you're impacting multiple people that way, yes, absolutely. Like that's, that's like, at what point, I guess, really do you, if you're, you know, if you're not going to make the change or take those steps, if one person complains, then why are you going to do so if 10 people complain? Like, I, I feel like there's, there's so many rungs in the ladder that were passed in that kind of scenario. But like, like you said, it, a lot of that then falls on management to act like way sooner. Like mm-hmm. to create that culture. Yeah, I agree. It definitely comes from the top down. Um, I will say that I'm fairly lucky in my current position that my 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 managerial staff doesn't really have have patience for it, and <laughs> yeah. it gets addressed every single yeah. time. Yeah, thank God because I can't. I I would feel like a real hypocrite <laughs> if I lectured <laughs> about it and worked somewhere where they were like. Eh. <laughs> And I have heard people say, well, that's just my personality. Yeah, I don't either. I feel like that's a bit of a, a, a cop out as far as taking responsibility. <laughs> right. yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, for sure. For that's sure. just for who sure. I am. Are you right. sure? Right. Do you treat people outside of here like that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Emily, before we get to, I, I can't believe it's already been 30 minutes. We're, <laughs> this, is going, this is going by so quickly. Um, yes. Uh, why don't we take our little quick break here and then we'll be back after the break. The Vet Tech Cafe is sponsored by BetterHelp. Caffeinators at the Vet Tech Cafe, you know we like to focus on mental health. If you're struggling with depression, burnout, compassion fatigue, or any of the other mental health challenges we discuss on our podcast, getting professional help is a great first step. We all need help with things like learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries, which empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major mental health challenges. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Dave, I've used BetterHelp. Um, I had really good success with it. I really liked that it was entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. 
You can also switch therapists at any time for no additional cost. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. They really make it easy for you to get the help you need. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash VetTechCafe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash VetTechCafe. It's time to invest in yourself. Be well, caffeinators. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Vet Tech, Ca- Vet Tech Cafe, where you can sit and chat with all your veterinary technician idols. Um, Emily, we just had our ad for BetterHelp, um, and we always like to ask our guests. Like, I can't remember if we were, were – were we still doing this, Jeff? Asking, I, don't, I don't think we were then. I maybe don't think not we were then. signed up with them yet. Um, yeah. So we always like to ask, how do you manage your own mental health? Day to day. Um, I still do a lot of, like, uh, presence moments like keeping yourself present um mm-hmm. uh i do have a bit of anxiety and so one of the things that i like to do is i did this this morning actually pick a color and name all the things in the room that you're in that you can see that are that color and it's kind of a it's a centering thing centering is not the right word it gets you away from worrying about the past or you know having anxiety about the future it brings you to what is happening right now at the moment and that one seems to work the best for me when i'm like Ah, I've got too many things on my plate and my, my poor little paper plates bending in half and all my picnic food is falling on the floor. Um, <laughs> that's kind of the, the one that's worked the best for me. I do also, and, and it's like I was saying on the break, we, I just talked to a pre-vet student today on the phone for a class that she's doing. And she had to talk to somebody in her chosen uh, future profession. And I told her point blank, this is not going to be about medicine. This is going to be about protecting your mental health going forward between school and work and stuff. And one of the things I told her is you have to make time for who you are outside of doctor or technician. Mm-hmm. So you've got, you've got something that's enjoyable and pleasant for you outside of who you are professionally, because they're not the same person. Yeah. You know, I'm not who, who, you know, us sitting at dinner at IVAX is, that's a very different person than who I am at work. Mm-hmm, I right. act differently. I carry myself differently. I'm just not the same person. So that's one of the things that I talked to her about was, you know, you've got to really find time to have who you are time mm-hmm. as opposed to work time. So yeah, read your journals, read your textbooks, read all that stuff, but then go and read some piece of mind candy fluff too, mm-hmm. that takes you outside of that world and gives you, um, gives you some release and yeah. from what your normal day-to-day slog is. Yeah, for sure. Work, work is where you go and what you do, but don't let it be who you are. Like it, it does. Right. Like don't let that define you. That's yeah. It's 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 kind of funny. We're we're I, I'm writing a a lecture on the work life balance for IVEX for this year, and a uh, little bit of a preview. I don't have all the answers, um, but I <laughs> do know what works for me, and what works for me is not going to be what works for Jeff. It's not going to be what works for Emily. It's not going to be what works for everybody else. It's what works for me. And we talked to, who was it, Jeff? Was it Lorelai? It was Lorelai. We asked her that question and, and mm-hmm. she says, I, I actually enjoy being connected all the time. And that, that like took me back. I'm like, for some people that is their, that is their happy place is to be connected mm-hmm. all the time and be, quote unquote, on call all the time, because that 
that if that fills your cup, it fills your cup. But I mean, for you and me, it doesn't fill our cup. Right. Emily right. probably doesn't fill yeah, your cup either. either. Right. Um, but for some people, it does fill their cup. And I, I think that's one of the main things that I'm going to bring to that lecture is that you've got to find what works for you and what you want to do. Because mm-hmm. me saying you should be disconnected from work and you get disconnected for work and you feel lost, then maybe you need to be connected to work. Um, right. But, I mean, it's I was a, like that when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. You know, when I was yeah, early sure. on in the my career, I was all about it all the time. You needed help, you call me, I'll be there. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, mm, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to come. <laughs> I, I don't need <laughs> to know that. Yeah, same. Yeah, right. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I I totally agree. Um, you know, thinking about kind of circling back to to bullying and everything here. So addressing it, um, we talked to uh, you know before the break about you know trying to do it while, you know, it's just one person that feels that way instead of, you know, 10 people that feel that way. So addressing it, like how, how difficult is that? Any like recommendations, you know, from a management standpoint or a leadership standpoint, if you do have to, you know, have that conversation, um, you know, how do you, how do you start that conversation? I think from a leadership position, it needs to, you need to be able to say, here are some examples. And what I often hear is I don't want it to get back to them that I came to you um, out of fear of retaliation. Mm-hmm. And you know, what I always tell people is I'm not going to bring up your name, but I'm, I need your example. And yeah. other people maybe saw that, like they don't know who came to me. It could have been you or the whole treatment right. for full people. Yeah, could have been but everybody. You have to have, right. You have to have examples. You did this in the middle of, on this date in the middle of God and everybody like not okay. Um, but it needs to be addressed immediately. It can't be like two weeks later. Oh, by the way, two weeks ago you did block. Cause I know if you come to me two weeks after I did a thing, I'm going to look at you like you've lost your mind. Yeah. <laughs> I did what? <laughs> I don't remember that long ago, quite frankly. Um, what would be, what is the ideal is for the witnesses to say something because it's in the moment at the time and it shows the person who's exhibiting the undesirable behavior. Hey, we're not going to put up with this. And we all see you acting like that and we're not cool with it. That's not going to fly around here. The problem is that those people don't want to be targeted. So they don't want to step up or the, you know, the target of the bullish, if they're capable of standing up for themselves, should say something if they can. Now, often the targets are targeted for a reason. And it's because they won't stand up for themselves or they haven't previously stood up for themselves. So they're, they're easy to go after, or they're seen as a weaker link or the new kid and they don't have any friends at work yet or what have you. But if the people around them, when those situations happen, could say a thing, even like, dude, not cool, you know, something right? that kind of calls that attention, um, gets that under a spotlight and it becomes pretty obvious that people don't, don't dig it. Yeah, I, I, we were talking in our in our previous episode and and kind of alluded to it earlier. Dave and I were thinking of, of times, you know, where the, um, you know, we had done things in uh, previous jobs or had been called out for things it, we didn't even know. And like, do you find situations or, or do you find that's decently common that people just don't know that that's actually how it's being received, like? Or then, and then in that scenario, like, are they genuinely willing to, to make it right? Or, or, or is that the, is that the, like, that's just who I am at the, sorry, they take it that way or. 
I think it's 50, 50. Um, I know I've uh, talked to people who were very upset when they were told, look, you're really picking on this person. You got to ease up. We get it. They're brand new. Maybe they don't have the skill set you're looking for in a coworker, but you can't treat them that way. And they were mortified that I've been doing what? And I had no idea. I thought I was just mentoring them. And then I have heard people say, that's just my personality or that's just who I am or, you know, they need to learn to toughen up. And that actually is my pet peeve is, well, we all had to learn how to toughen up. So you do too. No, that's not okay. Like just because that's how you were treated. No, you don't get to treat somebody else like that. I'm sorry you were treated that way, but learn from that. Like be the person that breaks that cycle and don't treat somebody like you. Right. Right. Yeah, well, I, it's a it's a very um, this is how we always did it type mm-hmm. of scenario, which, yeah. as we all know, is doesn't fly anymore. That that's not something right. we can do anymore. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I used to see that a lot in in academia, especially for interns and residents, like you know, from from faculty or you know specialists or what have you. Well, I you know I went through this. You have to to do it as well. You have to, and I mean, yes, like absolutely you have to manage these difficult cases and you have to you know do that while also studying for a big exam and all of that but you what you don't have to do is is like treat them like garbage during that process yeah. like that's that's what you can change i have talked to my my managers about like we need to find out if something is going on with that person outside of work the, mm-hmm. the bully uh, or the accused bully because what if it's something they're just barely hanging on themselves Mm -hmm. and the only place they have any control is at work. And this is how they're exerting that little tiny grasp that they have. And Hey, do we need to help them in some way? Is something, is something going down? Yeah. And someone who's previously, particularly if it's been a huge change in personality, right? Someone who's previously been amazing. is suddenly now quite harsh. Something's up. Like, let's find out what's up and, and address that. Um, and let them know, like, we got your back if you need us to, but we got to know what's up. Like, this isn't, yeah. this isn't you. Mm. Um, and I think that's actually where it gets a little harder because then you start to get into that, that personal space mm-hmm. where what happens outside of this building really isn't any of your business, but it's affecting the, the company. Mm-hmm. And so now it has to be my yeah. business, whether I want it to, I don't want to know, you know, right. your life is your life. And whoo, but when it starts to affect the flow of the hospital and how other people are able to do their work, that's when as an administrator, you need to get involved in their personal life, which is super awkward. Well, and I, I know we've, we've also, we've talked about, you know, having mentors, but are, are there, are there ways to, I don't want to, I don't want to just make more positions, but is there a way to have like a mental health mentor? for for teams to pre- prevent some bullying i do think every clinic has a hospital therapist <laughs> they just kind of fell into that role yeah, yeah. Um, unofficially i make right? jokes that i'm hospital mom yeah yeah, yeah i well, i'm yeah. so much i'm you know 20 xxx years older than my coworkers, <laughs> and um a lot of them i'm, I'm hospital mom and yeah. they'll like oh i need some advice about the thing so I do think that there's going to be that person at the hospital that maybe people think for some reason you have some sage wisdom, which ladies and gentlemen, I do not. Um, <laughs> I'm bumbling through like everybody else. Uh, as far as a, a, a actual role, 
I don't know. Like, I, I wonder if there are some places where that wouldn't be useful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if like you really have found a place where bad behaviors aren't tolerated and everybody most for the most part comes to work and either does their work or enjoys being or you don't need to have someone who's there to be like, do I need, do you need help cheerleader. today? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I do think that that should be management. Frankly, mm-hmm. I think the cheerleaders yeah. should be your managers and your supervisors. You sh- that should be half your, you know, your work personalities. You got this. Yeah. 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 Um, and I, that doesn't come easily to a lot of people. Like I had to learn how to do that. Cause that's, I'm a hundred percent stereotypical Gen X. I'm like, yeah, you did your stuff. <laughs> Moving along. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's really hard for me to get like, you did a thing, but I work with a lot of younger people that really want that. Yeah. You, you need did that. A thing. Yeah. And so I've, yeah. So I've had to learn how to do that, but I should do think that should come from supervisors and management. Yeah. And I, I wonder if there's, you know, we could look into the, the, the CVPM. Is there, something involved with like mm. addressing your, your team's mental health and, and being that for lack of a better term, that safe space for people to go to, to, to talk about stuff. That's not, I screwed up a catheter, but this person is being a jerk to me and I need to talk to somebody about it. I wonder if that's something that's even in the program for them to, to address. It'd be great. If would it that was. fall under the, would that fall under the purview of the veterinary social worker? Yeah, I was kind Probably, of I was yeah. kind of wondering that yeah. when you guys were discussing that like I wonder if that's you know depending on what the social worker's role is um I, like when I was at Tufts I think ours was more forward facing for the clients than rear facing mm-hmm. for the staff but mm-hmm. I think his role was kind of evolving a little bit more into that towards the end of my time there and and but also I mean like if somebody is not used to having those conversations, it's still like, yeah, just because that awkward, person yeah. is there, it doesn't mean that right. they're going to utilize that resource or so there, there's still like some measure of like, I don't know, almost has to be, you know, a check-in if you will, like, Hey, how are you? Like, you know, not related to any kind of incident or what have you, but like build a rapport with everybody and, and, you know, establish that it's a, a safe space long before you get to that kind of I definitely level, but... think that I definitely think that that met is lacking in the um like the emotional awareness department we're very aware of our clients feelings mm-hmm. but not particularly aware of our coworkers' feelings and yeah. I don't know about you guys but I don't spend a lot of time with my clients I spend right. 10 hours a day with mm-hmm. my coworkers, and I am way more invested in them than I am in, in my clients because I might never see them again at the ER, right? right? They're right. Not, they might sure. not ever come back. I know I'm going to see my coworkers the rest of the week. And so I do, I do wonder um, about going forward. And that's one of the things I talked to this student about, like you might not have anybody to advocate for protecting yourself Yeah, yeah. Uh, from the, from the slings and arrows of, uh, you know, veterinary emotional wear and tear. You have to figure out how to do it on your own. And right. it's, it's hit or miss and it takes an effort, but you have to do it. Yeah. That's the only way to longevity here. If you don't want to graduate and have already been put through the ringer and they get out in the field and realize that that ringer is still going and yeah. you're still getting wound through it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember you saying on, on our podcast previously, when you were here, you used the phrase, we eat our own mm-hmm. quite a bit. Um, yeah. and, and it's, it's, really really quite true um thinking about 
this bullying and all of that, like what, what are the sequel to that? How does that affect the culture, the morale? Like, you know, I, I feel like there's a massive or at least a potential for a massive trickle down for a lot of different areas that can affect a lot of things really, really negatively. So what are some of those? There's uh, well, there's the obvious emotional toll. You know, you're afraid to go to work. You're afraid to speak out. You're afraid to make mistakes because someone might get on your back about it. Um, You're afraid to make friends at work. They're intrusive thoughts, getting home from work and not being able to do anything but think of work and, you know, the situation that may or may not have happened at work. I think I said anxiety. That's really the big one is emotionally is anxiety, people and depression. Um, There's physical side effects. Everybody always thinks of ulcers, but really eating disorders and sleep disorders, likely Uh, insomnia being the big of those and then um, under eating being the other one and you'd think it would be overeating but it's actually under eating and i don't know if that's a uh you know i've lost my appetite because i'm so anxious i just don't want to eat um but high blood pressure um migraines uh all sorts of uh, heart problems diabetes like (laughs) there's some crazy crazy side effects of, of prolonged stress or even episodic acute stress where you have a thing that happens and then it happens over and over and over again and then, um, you know, as far as the impact on the hospital, you get people becoming hypervigilant. They're so worried that they're going to make a mistake that they start making mm-hmm. mistakes or they react to a very small mistake in a very large way. Like, <clears throat> you know, this, I gave that Serenia sub Q and not IV. And it becomes a huge thing. And, oh my God, I can't believe I did that wrong. The animal still got the Serenia. <laughs> right. The effects yeah. of that drug are still on board. You know, did it all. Did it all work out in the end? And one of the things I've said to people in training when they get all like, oh my God, I did that wrong, is, is all roads lead to Rome. As long as we all end up standing outside the Colosseum before the gladiators start, I don't care how you got there. Hmm. Like You have to have some individuality in how you do stuff. So if you don't do it the exact way I did, I'm not going to have a meltdown over it. I'm going to be like, did it work? Great. The patient got its treatment moving along. Because hmm. I have worked with people that it was my layered highway every single hmm. time they did a thing. And that doesn't work for everybody. Like right. it just doesn't. Right. And I do think that also, you know, that bleeds over into that bullying thing again. You didn't do it my way. You have to do it my way. What? Well, right. why? Why right. is your way better than how anybody else does it? If we all ended up with the right outcome, right. great. That's what we're here for: is the right outcome, not the the path we took to get there. Yeah. Well, and as as we've we've all been in this field for long enough, we we all know that there's. A million different ways to do certain things, like placing a catheter. There's eight million ways to tape in a catheter, and like you said, Emily, if, if it's if it's still in the leg at the end of the day, you did a good job. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I'm real happy about that. <laughs> right, nothing blue. Hurrah! Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so you talked earlier about um, like the over, overt and the covert ways of bullying. Give us some examples of of the covert bullying methods that that you've seen. Um, the most common that, <clears throat> excuse me, the most common that I have come across and had, um, had people come to me, I've actually lectured on this back to back at IFAXI two years in a row. And I had people come to me with examples and it would be things like someone's placing a catheter and they're peer, peering over your shoulder going, Oh, you're not going to get that. You'll never hit that thing. <sighs> yeah. Really? Really? Now I'm not. Now you're I'm right. Not, yeah. Now I'm not going to hit that. Mm-hmm. Or, um, Oh, that's how you do that. 
Oh, I'm going to do it that way. I don't mm-hmm. care how you do it. That's how I do it. Um, but it's stuff like that or uh, uh, a big one that that I have seen personally is exclusion. So everyone's hanging out in a corner of the room chatting and there's that one single person over on the other side of the room that no one's engaging with. How do you think they feel? Like everybody's over there having a grand old time and laughing and talking about what they did this weekend together. And that person, they're not even like, hey, how's it going over there right. in the corner? And that, that to me, I think exclusion is one of the big ones is if someone walks in through everybody shuts up. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously mm-hmm. you're talking or about leaves. them. Come on. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Right. You're talking about them or somebody they're really close with or. Yeah. Right. And I, I have tried something to, uh, with my, with my new hires to kind of hopefully break that down a little bit. We call it Munchy Monday. It used to be Cheese Friday, but then the person who is in charge of Cheese Friday no longer works Friday. So mm-hmm. it's Munchy Monday and we yeah. all bring food. Everybody brings food and we have a theme like picnic food or we did uh 80s movie food uh one one monday what's and i 80s brought, movies um, what, what's an 80s movie? so food, food uh mine was uh children of the cornbread oh, okay. i got children I of the cornbread <laughs> so amazing. food that you can turn into an 80s movie title yeah um, i like it but and i have that as part of my orientation to the hospital on their first monday there's this is here's all this food this is much monday we all gather around this table where we've all brought food and we can chat and we can have food and we brought it to share with each other. And I do think that that's helped because now no one's left out. Everyone mm-hmm. brought a thing to eat. Everybody could share. If you didn't bring anything, you still get to share um, and partake or whatever. And uh, I do think that's helpful because that's an automatic boundary breaker, but you have to be able to find some automatic boundary breaker. So you don't have that one person sitting over in the corner looking dejected because the, these people have obviously all worked together for the last two years and are buddies. For some reason, you're not. Right. Um, but I think that's the big one is the exclusion thing. So figuring out a way to keep people from being excluded is really hard. Huh. So some personalities just don't get along. I think yeah. it's hard, particularly because the the field. I, I don't. I don't have statistics on this, but but the. Uh, I I feel like. I don't want to say a vast majority, but there's a good portion of us that are introverted. So we almost exclusionary bully ourselves by <laughs> just being introverts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I want to sit that. over here in the dark alone. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. That's yeah, me. Uh, <laughs> uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, you kind of were j- and, and you kind of segued into it when you said you were, you know, when you gave this lecture at IVEX, um, when you give these lectures, in your hospital, at conferences, what have you, how do you find that they're received? Like, do, does it seem like, are, are people ready to take this kind of thing seriously, shall we say? Um, you know, I, not not how full is the room or anything like that, but do, do you feel like this is actually something people are ready to actually tackle and deal with? I do. And I think it's because most of us have probably been on the receiving end of someone being horrible to us at some point or other, for whatever reason. Um, you know, the social circle we hung out with, the music we listened to, you know, clothes we wore, whatever. Sure. Um, just being genuinely awkward, what have you. And I do, I do feel that people don't want to work in that environment anymore. I had, I've had people stop me in the hallways and want to tell me their stories. And some of them have been horrifying. Um, we, so horrifying that I was wearing a mask and they said, we just saw your jaw drop. 
<laughs> um, yeah. And it was, it was a uh, uh, LGBTQ situation where someone was purposefully uh, targeting an LGBTQ coworker. Um, and I, I couldn't believe it. I thought, mm-hmm. what? And she, and she was there with her manager and her manager said, I need to know how to tackle this because this is pretty sensitive and they don't want that person fired, but that person needs to know that what they're doing is a illegal and be really, really low. Like that's just a low place to go. Yeah. Um, and so that's happened to me more than once. I've had people stand up and say, what if you think, what if, what if I think I'm the bully? And that was a hard question to answer. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, you've literally done the very best thing you could do. And that's look at yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's be introspective and think, Ooh, I do that. Yeah. If you can see that in yourself, most people can't, aren't able to, to be introspective yeah. like that. Um, I did get a lot of emails um, after the very first time I spoke on this at IVEX and it was mostly people looking for resources on how they, how they can teach themselves to identify bullying. And there are books out there. Most of the ones that I read were either aimed at children who are being bullied or uh, put out by the American nursing association <laughs> oh, wow. because it's such a huge problem that, uh, why nurses eat their young is actually a book that I bought. Wow, that's that's like the title. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. my gosh! Right? Wow, I was astounded that there's wow. an actual book with that name because it's such a huge problem. Mm, yeah, but I I feel like we could have a book by the same title of our profession. Like, yeah, that's, that's exactly. Yeah. Wow, wow. But yeah, they, but to give a to give an actual answer, yes. I think people are sick and tired of it and they don't want to be in that environment and they don't want to see their coworkers in that environment. And if we're going to keep getting back to the attrition statement I made earlier, if we're going to keep people in the field, maybe we should be nice to them. Yeah. Like why would you shoot yourself in the foot? Like these are the people that are coming up behind you to relieve you so that you can right. go home or leave retire even like why? Yeah. Why would you do that? We're hurting for people. Be nice to them, for God's sake. That's yeah. just, yeah. it's come again. Don't be an a-hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, as, as, as I'm astounded again, we are at an hour. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything that we have not touched on today that you wanted to get out to the listeners? This has been fantastic. Amazing. Yes, for sure. Um, I think just don't, don't be afraid to stand up for yourself. Most bullies are, are bullies because they're scared of themselves for whatever reason. Uh, you know, we don't know what's going on in their life to make them feel like that's how they have to portray themselves or that that's how they have to defend themselves or why they feel they need to defend themselves. And most bullies, if you turn around and stand up to them and be like, Hey, why would you even say that to me? Or why would you say that to that person are going to stop or they're going to back down? Mm-hmm. And have to give it a good think. Um, and it also may just show them, I can't go after that person mm-hmm. again. And then that gives you the power to turn around when they go after somebody else and be like, I told you that wasn't cool. Like, knock it off. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think, bearing in mind that not all bullies are bullies because they're terrible people, they're not psychopaths. Something, there's some other thing happening there. And yeah, some people are just mean. Like, you can't get around that, but not all of them. Mm-hmm. And maybe that person needs someone that they feel like they can talk to. You never know. Yeah. yeah the old, um, see something, say something, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. What is it that Liz always says? Uh, hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's a good one. Absolutely. Um, 
not necessarily pertaining to, you know, mental health or, or bullying or, or this particular topic or anything like that. But is there anybody out there um, that you would put in your seat for us to have on a future episode or a topic you think we should discuss that maybe we haven't in the past? Yes. Drew Mellon. He okay. uh, is the person who got us credentialing in Utah. Awesome. Okay. All right. We will add him to the yeah, list. Send, send us He's his amazing. Con- send us his contact info. We- you, yeah. As you say, if you could, Shoot us his email address or something. That'd be great. Yeah, We'd love to that'd be awesome. Uh, he was he was NAFTA Tech of the Year too because oh, of it. What Wonderful. what year? A couple of years, couple ago. years ago. Okay, couple years ago. Okay, uh, twenty twenty. Right. I think twenty twenty one. I love it. Okay. But yeah, I'll send yeah. you his info. He'll be super embarrassed. It'll be great. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, awesome. Emily. Now it's time for your Would You Rather question. Are you ready for it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now you have to pick either one, two, or three. Oh. I have three uh, ready for you. The road, two. You're going to go with two? Two. Okay. Yeah. Would you rather... <laughs> this one kind of makes <laughs> oh, me... Oh, no. <laughs> this one makes me chuckle. <clears throat> Would you rather spend the le- rest of your life blind or trapped inside of an olive garden? <laughs> <laughs> All you can eat breadsticks. Of course it's olive garden. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that's the reason, though. The endless bread snacks. Carbs. I, All I the did carbs. not see All that coming. <laughs> I love it. I, I, I mean, I, plus I think, you get all the fake grapes. Like I, I think I would probably hard. choose that it's too. Amazing. I mean, I would, I would, I would be all fat and happy on pasta. Yeah, probably after sure. day right. two. <laughs> Heck yes. Heck right. yes. <laughs> all the breadsticks you could possibly eat. Oh, I love it. I love it. And the, and the salad to, to balance it out. Yeah, yeah for sure. Right. Yeah, you could, you could just have a Caesar you can't salad yeah. maybe one night. Tiramisu? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's tiramisu there. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. Breakfast, tiramisu, and coffee. Lunch, breadsticks. Some some people Dinner, don't like Olive Garden at all. Like, they think it's like a non... It, it's like a, a, a slur on a, an Italian restaurant, but... <laughs> oh, I quite like it. Yeah, I like it too. I have no problem with Olive Garden. <laughs> Well, Emily, thank you so much for uh, taking some time out to to come by again um, and chat with us about this uh, really incredible topic, especially at this time during May for Mental Health Awareness Month. We really, really appreciate your time and your insight. Um, hopefully, we'll see you both as, or we'll both see you at IBEX this year. Yeah, I will be there. Awesome, wonderful, there. wonderful. We'll look forward to panicking that. about my lectures. <laughs> <laughs> Deadline is May fifteenth. <15th. laughs> I don't want to talk about okay. it. <laughs> all right. Well, you get two weeks. Uh, all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to say Thanks that. Thanks for but, having uh, me right. again. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Caffeinators, um, you guys take care. Um, hope you enjoyed the uh, the May Mental Health Series. Um, Dave and I will be doing a tap room recap on it just to kind of give our thoughts and kind of wrap up the series. And we will resume regularly scheduled programming in June. Um, but you guys take care, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye, guys. Hello, Caffeinators. We wanted to thank Dog Days Consulting for managing our social media and helping with the interior design here at the Vet Tech Cafe. They don't just do social media. They can help you identify your brand through brand coaching. The founder is a CVPM with 15 years experience in veterinary practice management. They are a small business proudly serving the veterinary community, and we are thrilled to be working with them. Check them out at www.dogdaysconsulting.com.
Hey, caffeinators. We would like to thank you for listening to the Vet Tech Cafe podcast today. As everybody is well aware by now, we often talk about difficult issues that face our profession. In addition, we chat with colleagues and leaders in our field who have strong opinions of these issues. Those opinions expressed by either Dave or Jeff as the hosts, or those opinions expressed by our guests, are their opinions alone and do not represent any other person, business, institution, or any other entity inside or outside of the scope of veterinary medicine. If you have any questions relating to this, please email us at vettechcafe at gmail.com or visit our website www.vettechcafe.com. Lastly, whatever platform you utilize to hear our dulcet tones, please rate and review our podcast and like and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn pages as well to see what we're up to. From all of us at the Vet Tech Cafe, have yourself a great day.